and God bless you for tuning in to the Married to Jesus podcast. I am she, Laurel Ann, a Married to Jesus chick. Are you hungry? <laughs> I'm not hungry. I actually just ate. Um, but tonight we are going to be talking about eating. Well, some form of eating anyways. It's called devouring your food. Devouring the word of God. Have you ever used that word before? Devour. He just devoured that cake. He just devoured that spaghetti. (laughs) Hopefully you have heard this word used before. And tonight we are going to talk about a not so good form of devour. Something that devours you, your health, your wealth, your life. (laughs) Something that devours you, which is not something you want to happen. So I'm hoping that tonight you will listen and you will learn how to pray against things devouring your life, your livelihood, your peace of mind, Anything that would eat away at your mental health, your mental stability, your emotional stability, your financial security, because actually God's word promises us that he will do this for us if we do this one thing. I bet you didn't know it was even there. It's hidden in plain sight, folks. Right there in Malachi 3. That's right. Malachi 3. The chapter all about tithing. Isn't that amazing? Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you heard the verse before? I know you've heard. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse. So that there may be food in my house. And test me in this. Now, God usually is like, don't test me. But when it comes to tithing, God says, test me in this and see if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings so big, so great, without measure, that you won't even have room to receive how big I'm going to bless you. What? Yeah, that's God's promise. He is going to bless us. And I know, I just know the flesh of man. I know that everyone says that when they tithe. Lord, you promised to bless me. Lord, you said I could test you in this. And you said you'd open up the windows of heaven. Now, hopefully, you don't stop there. But if you have been stopping there, let's come up a little higher and let's continue with God's word. And let's say the rest of that promise. Because in my opinion, It is just as important, if not maybe more important, than just the only thing that God promised in the beginning, which was the blessings. Because after God has said, I'm going to bless you, here's what he says next. I will rebuke the devourer. Right there. I will rebuke the devourer for you. He's going to do it for you. And then he says, Specifically, some places he's going to do that. But that's a big dot deal. Have we ever thought about what that means? Have we ever thought about what God is saying here? Let's not take for granted the Lord's promise when he says 
that when we're tithers, when we offer him our first fruits and we honor him with our wealth, um, because we realize it first came from God, you know, the ability mentally, emotionally, physically to actually make money is a result of us being created by a creator. It's a result of someone planting eternal gifts in us. And when we function and operate in those and when we have these talents and, you know, God blessed us with family and friends and things that cultivate us, we are acknowledging by returning a tenth of everything that we receive um, to the Lord. And God says he's going to continue to bless us. Yes, and that's great. We want we want to be blessed. But he's actually saying here he's going to help us keep our blessings, really is what he's saying, because he says he'll rebuke the devourer. After he said, you're going to be blessed, he's like, I'm going to rebuke the devourer. Because guess what? You know it. If you're blessed incredibly, people come knocking on the door asking for stuff when you're blessed. And that is so true because you see in the rest of this verse, God goes on into verse 12 and is like, the nations around you will call you blessed. (laughs) So it proves his point. And then he says, your land will be a land of delight. Delight is like happiness. Delight is like joy. And so he's not hes not just promising you worldly goods and worldly things. I mean, God is so much bigger than just material things, folks. Because there's lots of people who have a lot of material things and they are still not happy. And they have to have more and they have to have more. And they're just never satisfied. Well, this is saying you'll be a land of delight. So you will be happy. So not only will you be blessed, not only will you have what you need and a lot of times what you want, you will also be happy. God is going to rebuke the devourer, the things that would destroy your blessings, and you're going to be happy. Like that's God's promise in the tithe. Like, isn't that what the world is after? Isn't it? Yet they don't acknowledge God. And God first and foremost is like, Worship me, honor me, acknowledge me as the Lord of all, as the as the God of creation, and as the God of salvation, as the God of redemption, as the Lord of heaven, and as the creator of this world. If you will acknowledge me in your in your substance and the things that you own, then I'll bless you. I'll make you happy. I will keep you. I will open the windows of heaven. I will rebuke the devourer. And so that is what we need to talk about today is this is this already before I've even gone into it sounds like a pretty good deal. It sounds like a major major blessing. So we need to get more into the the details and into the weeds of this and see what God is is promising us so that when you pay your tithes every month or every week or whenever you do it, you know with faith in your heart and spiritual intelligence, what it is you're asking the Lord to do. Not because you're greedy and needy and all those things. I mean, God God knows who you are. God knows what you need. He's not afraid to talk to you about all your emotions and all your things. But here's the thing. This is a promise. This is a spiritual weapon that you can use to come up against things because God tells you when he tries to bless you, when he you know, when you walk in his ways, we know we are in a constant war. So we need to know spiritually with intelligence what it is we have a right to, what we are entitled to when we walk in God's ways, when we do things in his kingdom and for his glory. God is going to rebuke the devourer for us. 
So we're not even going to rebuke our own devourer. He is actually going to do it for us. Wow. So let's talk about that. What does, what is the devourer first of all? Like, what does that even mean? Well, if you look up that actual word in Hebrew, it is a call. And that means to eat. So to devour something means to eat. And so we know this is a big deal because what happened when Adam and Eve ate in the garden? (laughs) I mean, eating is so important to the Lord because it cost mankind the world. Like it literally cost the ruler and the sole owner of of this earth, Adam. He lost his airship through eating. So so the devourer is a big deal. Eating is a big deal. And it's like as a result of that man's eating, a devourer has, and, and, I mean, coincidentally, it's not a coincidence, but I'm using that word. Devourer has come upon the whole earth. Okay? And now there's things trying to attack man. <laughs> I mean, it's like, wow, this is crazy. Because, because this world is founded on justice and righteousness because that's what's God's throne is founded on. And so we see eating is a big deal. To eat, devour means to eat. And how did it happen between Adam and Eve? The serpent came to his wife. Adam was tricked by his wife. But this isn't the only place where we see eating costing a man his inheritance. Look at Jacob and Esau. They're brothers. And Jacob, again, tricked his brother Esau out of his firstborn blessing. And now Jacob was the firstborn and got the firstborn blessing instead of Esau. How? Through a meal, through dinner. And this story, if you know the story about these two brothers, it's really kind of crazy because like Esau was the one who hunted game and cooked all the time. And it was like, he must have just been really having a bad day to just give away his firstborn blessing like that just for a meal when it's like, dude, you can do this. Like, it's so like, this is what you do. And he just, he just gave it away. But anyways, that is not the point of today's episode. This is about eating. He lost his inheritance because of eating. Adam and Eve lost the whole world because of eating. And now there is this devour that God has promised. If we will do what Adam didn't do, which was acknowledge God by obeying him in the garden and not eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, if we will, you know, that represented the tithe to Adam and Eve in that picture and in that point in time. Now, today, that representation of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, of not eating from that tree, the equivalent today is tithing, is acknowledging the Lord with a tenth of your of your wealth, of a tenth of all that you get, of all your income. And so that is today how we don't do the same thing Adam did. That is how today we can rebuke the devourer, that we don't end up falling just like Adam and Eve did. Now, I'm saying that falling just like Adam and Eve did figuratively because obviously what Adam and Eve did was significant and it cannot be undone except by Jesus Christ. So devour here also came about by eating. And here's what's interesting. In both Adam and Eve and Jacob and Esau's 
um, I guess you'll call it fall, but when the when their devour when the devour happened to them, it came through a wrong relationship. So Eve's relationship with the serpent cost Adam, right, his eating, and Jacob's relationship with his brother Esau cost him. His brother tricked him. Now his mother was in on it. So that's a little side note. But here's the thing. The devourer, they, these two men, these two heirs, these two rulers lost their wealth, lost you know their position and their standing. They went to a lower place in these stories of these two men because of eating and because of relationships. So we see that to rebuke the devourer has to do not only with eating, but maybe even with relationships. Now, how, how can we say that? How can we make that assumption? How can El Boogie go there already? Well, let's find a witness in the New Testament. What happened to the prodigal son? What did he do? He squandered away his wealth. He went and lived wildly, lost all of his um, inheritance. I mean, hello, sounds like a similar story, doesn't it already? Lost all of his substance, living on drunkenness and debauchery and loose living and reckless immoral living, uh, sleeping with prostitutes. Well, what does the older brother say when he comes back? This son, which you get, you know, this son who's come back, you've given him the fatted calf. And he has devoured your living with harlots. So in the New Testament, there is the word devoured again. And how is this word used? In, in, in relation to a loss of wealth. Hmm. And we just so happen to be talking about money in Malachi 3.10. So we have a lot going on here when God promises to rebuke the devourer. Because he says, I will rebuke the devourer for you in Malachi 3.11 so that it will not destroy what? The fruits of your land and the vine in your field will not fail to produce fruit. So we've got a couple things going on here. There is a lot to take in in this episode. So I hope you got your seatbelt on and you're buckled up and you are ready to go. Here is our Old Testament witness, Joel 2. And there's other places in Joel that talk about the devourer, but we're going to use this verse that's got some of the promises to undo some of the devourer that happened. In Joel 2 and starting in verse 25, The Lord promises to repay the years locusts have eaten, the swarming locusts, the young locusts, the destroying locusts, and the devouring locusts. So here we have an Old Testament witness. We've already seen the New Testament witness about the prodigal who devoured his father's wealth by his lifestyle. And now we see in the Old Testament this devouring locust. And repaying, and we know that any of the four kind of locusts or three kind of locusts, however you want to look at it, actually are eating locusts. They eat crops. 
And so that makes perfect sense because in Malachi 3, it says it will not destroy the fruits of your land. So that means if you've got a project that you're working on, if you've got a business that you're working on, if you've got a book that you're working on, if you've got anything that you're working on and that you're trying to be fruitful and productive in, God is saying, I will rebuke the devourer, the things that are trying to destroy your productivity. I will rebuke that in your life when you're a tither. I mean, that's pretty cool. And a lot of times, some of that comes through relationships. We see the prodigal went out and lived wildly, loosely, immorally, foolishly, and as a result, lost all of his wealth. And we also see that the second part of Malachi 3.11 says, And the vine in your field will not fail to produce fruit. Now, a reference to a vine in your field, this is actually alluding to maybe even a wife. Your wife will be a fruitful vine in the midst of your house. And your vine, and here we have, that's another promise, a family promise in Psalms. Well, here in Malachi, we've got, And the vine in your field will not fail to produce fruit. Fruitfulness, replenish, be fruitful, and multiply. So literally, here is a promise of open wombs, of no barrenness, right here in the tithe, ladies. Right here in the tithe is your promise to open your womb and to not fail to produce fruit. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. God is so good. There ain't no money in this world that can give you that kind of promise. There is no doctor in this world, but the Lord God can do that. That's that's our God. That's our Jesus. He's amazing. He is so cool. I'll just love God. Okay, I'm back. Anyways, so what we're talking about again, even in this um, you know, undertone, this little un- hidden reference that we're seeing here, again, that is coming through a relationship. And we know Okay, if something's going to have to happen in your life. For God to open the, the storehouses of heaven and to pour out blessings. I mean, look, God's not into the lottery. You're not going to go buy a winning ticket one day and then boom, be wealthy. God doesn't want you touching those things. Those things have, have all kinds of stuff that come with them that will pull you into the devourer, not, not protect you from them. Okay, you don't touch, don't touch the things that God doesn't want you to touch. So what God is saying here is whatever you do is going to be blessed because I'm going to be rebuking the things that destroy your fruitfulness and I'm going to be blessing you. And so, unfortunately, some of y'all may not like this, but that means that God is going to deal with the relationships in your life. And that might be a friendship, that might be coworkers, that might be your community, that might be the clubs that you're involved in. That is going to mean all kinds of things um, in your life that God is either carving away or rearranging or moving aside so that you are walking in the maximum amount of blessings that God can give you through whatever it is he has you to, to do in this world and whatever purpose he has created for you. And we know this is true. We know good success and great fame and being discovered comes from being at the right place at the right time a lot of times, right? I mean, a lot of famous people are like, oh, that they just heard me sing one night 
you know, in a bar. And I, ever since then, you know, I, I hit it big. Right place, right time. I mean, those things a lot of times are God-ordained blessings for those people. We know how much devastation wrong place, wrong time can bring into someone's life and disaster that can bring into someone's life. And, and the Bible tells us that time and chance happen to us all. God is sovereign. God can give us success, overnight success and overnight fame and things that people just tell these fun stories about like, oh, she's so lucky it just happened to her. No, it's probably from God. <laughs> to be honest, someone was probably a tither or praying for them. That's usually, you know, and depending on what kingdom they're being promoted in and what kind of agenda and person they are, a lot of times that's just God at work in a very practical way. He's not some, you know, like God is not like that. That just sounds crazy and foolish. Okay. God is not like us. We we are like God. And the closer we get to him, the more like him we become, the less like us and the more like him we become. We also know that relationships have a big impact on your careers. Who you know, right? A lot of times, who you know. If that wasn't the case, there wouldn't be so many people trying to kiss up to the boss, looking for favor. If that wasn't the case, this wouldn't be true. So a lot of times, not only the blessings, but also the devour, the other side, can actually come from relationships. We know bad company corrects good character. That's in Proverbs. We know that God tells us to sit not in the seat of the, of the scoffer or stand in the way of the sinners. Like God is telling us to be careful what relationships you enter into. Because obviously this is connected, folks. We saw it with Adam and Eve and how they fell with having the wrong party involved. We saw it with Jacob and Esau. And we see it all throughout the Bible. That's usually how somebody gets brought down is a relationship. We have all seen it a million times. Somebody is all fine. They're on the right path and they start hanging with the wrong crowd. And now their whole life has changed. Their personality has changed because of the bad associations. This is something that slowly chewed away at their life, slowly chewed away at their purpose, came in and devoured. Sometimes, unfortunately, it can completely ruin people's lives and they never get back on the wrong track, on the right track. Like this happens every day to folks. That is why this verse, this promise is big for you and your family. Ladies and gents, we need to really press into God on this because it he honors his word. And we don't want to just be another statistic. We don't want to just be another number. We fight the good fight. So, God is so gracious and God is so kind and he is so wise. He actually tells us more about the devourer if we will study his word. In Luke, in, Luke, <laughs> in Joel, I don't know why I said that. In Joel, he talks about the locusts. And it's really interesting because it's talking about years. Time stolen by locusts. Again, 
Here we've got some reference to time. And what do you do in relationships? Spend time. (laughs) And God is saying, I will rebuke and repay you and, and give you back and restore you things that these locusts have eaten. And what are the locusts? They're the caterpillar, the canker worm, the palmer worm. And so let's actually study this because God... God doesn't just say things willy-nilly. Everything in God's word has a meaning. This is talking about locusts. This is talking about devouring things that eat away at your prosperity, your health, your family, your peace of mind, your happiness even. Because again, it's directly contrasted in Malachi with happiness and blessings. He's talking about locusts. He's not talking about plagues. Plagues are signs of judgment. He's not talking about the plagues. He's not even talking about horses and the four horsemen that represent other things. He's not talking about that because God is very specifically talking about locusts. So let's look at the first locust and think about your friendships. Think about your coworkers and your relationships and your colleagues. Think about people in your teams in your groups, whatever they may be. When I talk about a canker worm, what is a canker worm? Well, these canker worms usually have wingless, no wings, wingless females. Their females just crawl around and we know they're canker worms, so they're low to the ground. They blend in, they're camouflage. You usually can't see them coming. But they're gnawing, 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 eating little by little, little by little. Some some of the things that I researched for this podcast said that canker worms are pretty much kind of like moths. They're almost like moths um, when they are when they are um, well, the males when they like get their wings or whatever. They kind of flutter around a little bit. If you ever seen a moth outside around your lights. Like, they flutter around a little bit, but they really don't go anywhere. I mean, they're not butterflies. I mean, some of them can be pretty, but they're not really that pretty either. But they're just they're, they're just sort of there. And they're gnawing and they're gnawing. Now, these are those people that just slowly, little by little and little by little, they just get on your nerves. These are those personalities and those spirits around you that just know how to push your buttons. And, like, they just take a little inch. They just take a little bite. They just take a little bit here and there. And you don't really always know what they're doing. Something don't feel right about them, but you don't always really know like what's up with them yet until one day you finally realize it because you find a big old hole in your clothes where that moth has been and you didn't even know it got in. <laughs> this is the canker worm. Someone that slowly and steadily just kind of eats away and you don't really know they're there. You, you probably like don't have a good feeling about them, but... You're not really sure, like you can't see their end game because they don't really make themselves known. Again, they're camouflaged. They're low to the ground. Wow. Yeah. I know you've already thought about a few people. Some faces have already come to (laughs) your remembrance. (laughs) You like to chew them out because they're the one eating at your nerves, right? These are the locusts. Well, God says he will rebuke them. And what does that mean? What does the word rebuke mean? He He will correct He will reprove. He will right the wrongs. Right? This is God's promise. 
when you walk in his ways and you trust God, these little things that come come along the side and try to get on your nerves, these little people that just interject and, you know, like they got all these hidden motives and you don't even really like get that. You don't really understand what they're talking about because it's like, that is not our team's, like, that's not even the objective of this meeting. Like, why are you always slowly eating time away from this meeting? We don't need to be talking about that. But y'all know they exist. Y'all know those personalities are there. Well, guess what? Those little things that are eating away at your productivity, at your peace of mind. <laughs> Let me tell you, I'll take that kind of a blessing over an extra $20 any day because that stuff can really really a wrong kind of personality can really hinder progress can really hinder a team now the next kind of locus is the stripping locus or the caterpillar and i think that this was probably what was the fourth plague in egypt now interestingly enough this fourth plague was a devouring plague. See, God intentionally uses words. And so I think it was probably caterpillars. And these are stripping locusts. They eat all the greenery, all the leaves off of your trees. They don't have wings. Some of them might actually be grasshoppers. They're young locusts. They hop from plant to plant, and they eat all the greenery. They may look fat and juicy and plump and kind of cute with their little antennas and their little eyes, but as can be seen by their bright colors they often wear, some of them are poisonous. Stay away. <laughs> Stay away from them because they might kill you. <laughs> no, I don't think a caterpillar can actually kill you, but I don't know. There's probably some in like some jungle somewhere that actually is that poisonous. Um, so what relationship is this akin to? Again, God is saying he's going to rebuke the devourer. Jesus came to give us life and that more abundantly. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, and that is the devil. So how is God going to rebuke the devourer? How is God going to re rebuke the things that would come into our life and strip away every green leaf, every good green thing about our life? Again, look at your relationships. It may look good on the outside, but there might be some hidden agendas, some hidden motives. They may not be a God-ordained friend for your life. This relationship can also be akin to the wrong kind of relationship, a situationship between a man and a woman. This can also be akin to immorality. And why do I say that? Well, it's the hopping, it's the grasshopper, it's the young locust. It's something that comes when you're young. It's so enticing to do like the um, younger brother did and go out and leave the house and devour your wealth hopping from bar to bar and that's exactly what he did he spent all of his money he devoured his wealth on on harlots wasn't just one there was lots of them <laughs> and here again we're talking about the caterpillar 
They're bright colors. They looked pretty. They were fun to look at. But that man had no money when it was all said and done. And so how does God rebuke the devourer in our life in, in this way? Well, we get to pray to the Lord about who to choose to date, who to choose to spend our time with, who to get to know. And hopefully if you trust him with your money, you trust him with your heart. You trust him to lead and guide you in those decisions because many a woman have married again and again and again. And unfortunately, at the end of that, all said and done, looking back, wealth was devoured as a result of that. Unfortunately, we see here, that's what happened to the younger brother. He had a lot of, long, a lot of wrong relationships. And when all of his money was gone, so were all of his friends. He did not have the devourer rebuked in his life. So God wants us, God wants to rebuke the devourer so that these things never happen to us in the first place. Yes, there's promises of restoration. Yes, this was a special instance where God was dealing with him. But also there's keys here that young people can learn based on the relationships you have if you've got a lot of friends and all they want to do is go out every weekend, three nights a week, and go eat out and do all these different things, remember, Esau gave up his inheritance for someone else cooking a meal for him. He couldn't cook his own meal one time and he lost his wealth. This is a picture of a man spending his inheritance eating out. You could get out of debt if you wouldn't eat out. That's God rebuking the devourer in your life. That's God exposing some of these relationships you're in are actually slowly eating away at your prosperity. They're slowly eating away at your time. You could be spending in, you know, doing the things of the, of the Lord, doing what God wants you to do, bettering yourself, taking care of yourself. Again, one way God rebukes the devourer is getting rid of these stripping locusts, locusts that steal things from you. They strip the things that are yours. They take away from you what is yours. It's not slowly coming in and gnawing like the canker worm and just leaving a hole and creating damage as, as frustrating as that can be. This is actually coming in and stealing and taking things away from you. And that's what happens when you get with the wrong relationships at a young age and you get on the wrong path at a young age. It sort of starts to strip you of anointings. It starts to strip you of purpose. Now, again, that is not the end-all be-all because there is hope in Jesus Christ. But how much better is it to walk with the Lord from a young age and continue to walk instead of going astray? How much more blessed could you be? How much less heartache could you have endured? I mean, there is a reason God wants us to be happy and blessed. He's like... You're going to be happy and blessed when you do things my way. And so far, what we have talked about in these relationships has come through not eating per se, but by words, by the words, the mouths of people. That canker worm is probably a gossip spirit that's behind your back talking about you and you don't even know it, ruining your projects, ruining team morale. Similarly with the prodigal and with anyone who goes down the wrong path, Proverbs 5 is talking about 
You know, don't pay attention to the words and the lips of a strange woman that drip with honey. Her words are smoother than oil. Ladies, it says the same thing about guys, that his words can be smoother than oil, but in his heart, he means war. I mean, hello, this is the mouth. This is people getting into trouble by either eating or their words. And in Proverbs 5, again, in the end, she is bitter as what? Wormwood and sharp as what? A double-edged sword. Again, a a referring to words that are actually words of death. These women, when when this guy, this prodigal was out and about, these women were enticing him. These women, one after the other, harlots, were luring him into you know, loose living. And so my son, listen to me. Do not turn aside from the words of my mouth, says Proverbs 5 and 7. God is saying, keep your path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house. Why? You will concede your vigor to others and your years to one who is cruel. Now here we're talking about loss. Lest strangers feed on your wealth. Here's the devourer and your labors enrich someone else's house, someone else getting the credit and, and taking your money. Your labor will actually bless someone else's. Here's the devourer again through women. Why? Because you got five baby mamas that now you're supporting. It's so interesting. Isaiah actually talks about this, that in the last days that women... There will be so there'll be women who actually just want a man's name or to be associated with a man and they say we'll buy our own clothes, we'll provide for our own substance, just give us your name. This is a type of harlot basically in the end times. I mean, hello, do you not know TV shows that women will almost just do anything because they don't realize their own value, they don't realize their own worth? That they'll do anything just to be associated with a man and to be basically a baby mama of, of a particular type of man. And God says, I will rebuke that devourer in your life. If you will stay on God's path, if you will do things God's way, if you will honor God with your wealth, guess what? God gives you peace on all sides. Ladies, this goes for you when you're single and you're trying to choose a life partner. God can tell you, no, baby, he's lying. You think he, you think you're the only one he's talking to? He's, he's downtown right now with another blonde. Here it is, the holiest weekend of the year. Like God can tell you, no, he's done this to other women. God can tell you these things. This is the gift of the Holy Spirit in you of someone who is seeking God. And and why are you seeking God? Because your wealth has gone to God. Your trust has gone to God. And therefore your heart is following. And God is going to rebuke that devour in your life. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now, one other thing I want to say in here is the Isaiah 51 verse. Now listen, Isaiah 51 is rich in promises. It says, you know, it's talking again about the mouth. And and we've even read in other places in the Bible, like where enemies destroy each other and God causes confusion when a man prays in battle, like in Chronicles, 
They prayed in battle against their enemies. And by the time they got up and went to the battlefield, their enemies were destroying each other. Well, this is a picture, obviously, of, of a devourer. Because a lot of times the way this actually happens in, the, in our day and age is enemies fight against each other. And how do they fight? They fight with words. They fight with words against each other. And if you'll hold your peace and step back and trust the Lord, you don't have to put your two cents in. You don't have to get into that argument and that fight. Hold your peace. Keep silent. Be considered wise. And let the enemies devour each other. Isaiah 51 says, listen to me, you who know what is right. You people with my law in your hearts, do not fear what? The scorn of men. This is the mocking. This is the mouth of men. Do not be broken by what? Do not be broken by their insults. Why? Because we know as believers, man's word is not the final word. God's word is. Listen to me, you who know what is right. You people with my law in your hearts, do not fear the scorn of men. Do not be broken by their insults. For the moth will devour them like a garment. God is like, God is so spot on. God is not playing with words. He means it. He means for us to study his word. He says the moth will devour. These people who want to be devoured, these people who want to go out and just speak evil, who speak slander, who speak insults, who have no problem tearing down anybody they see, who have no problem jumping to conclusions, who have no problem judging their neighbor, who have no love of God in their heart, who have no idea how messed up they really are. They wouldn't be judging everybody else who just speak whatever they want, who assume whatever they want. These people who do this with their mouths and use their mouths as a weapon against their fellow man, against another child of God, do not fear their scorn. Do not be broken by their insults, for the moth will devour them like a garment. And the worm, here we go, verse 8, 15, in Isaiah 51, and the worm will eat them like wool. Wow, God is serious about this mouth thing. God is serious about eating feeding on either God's word, eating either God's word, or deciding, you know, when you eat God's word, you realize it's not good to destroy your neighbors with your mouths. And God says, these bad things are happening with the mouth. This is the devourer. God is going to, again, rebuke the devourer, turn it back on your enemies, and he's going to say, but my righteousness will last forever. That's Why does he do that? How can he do that? In verse 8 of Isaiah 51, after he's talking about the devourer, after he's talking about the worm, he is talking about unrighteous men there and don't be afraid of them. And now he says to his righteous people, but my righteousness lasts forever. My salvation goes through all generations. So that way you don't even have to worry about it. if something goes wrong with you, don't worry. It, it, it won't go wrong with your children because of what? Because you stood on the blood, you stepped into his righteousness Now your generations will be blessed. These people can say what they want to about you, but guess what? You even will be blessed by the Lord through your children. And we know this is the case because Isaiah 51 goes on in verse 9 and talking about Rahab and the generations of old. And yes, this is talking about some of the things that God did to, to get rid of evil, But at the same time, we know that Rahab was blessed through what? Her generations. 
She brought forth and was in the lineage of Christ. She is in that lineage. That's amazing. That is amazing. And now this again is saying, you know, it it winds up in Isaiah 51 talking about um, people returning, again, returning to the Lord, entering Zion with singing. And it's talking about sighing and sorrow fleeing away. Again, when you do things God way, when you've got grace, when you when you understand the tithe, when you know that your existence and your being is really all a, a testimony to a living God and you have that kind of understanding, connection with him, you tithe to him, you pray, when you're walking in the spirit. I'm not saying weapons won't form. I'm not saying there's not attacks on your life. But you come higher and higher and higher as a believer because we are God's children. You stay in the house of God and you continue to get more and more blessed. You get more and more life. You get more and more light because you're a child of God. And God only gets bigger and better in someone's life as they learn of him. He becomes more and more powerful. He hasn't changed who he is. He himself is not more powerful. But we tap into more and more of who he is as we learn about him. He says he will give us gladness and joy and that sorrow and sighing will flee away again. Happiness. Happiness. Wow. God is so, so good. He is so good. Why should you be afraid of mortal man, of a son of a man who withers like grass? You have forgotten the Lord, your maker, who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth. You live in terror all day because of the fury of the oppressor who is bent on destruction. But God says, where is the fury of the oppressor? He says, the captive will soon be freed. He will not die in the dungeon and his bread will not be lacking For I am the Lord your God who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. He says, I have put my words in your mouth and covered you with the shadow of my hand to establish the heavens, to found the earth, and to say to Zion, you are my people. This is God's promise to his people of protection against oppressors, protection against destruction, protection against the devourer. Do not fear. Do not fear. He will place that goblet, that drink of wrath into the hands of your tormentors. Again, a rebuking, a turning of tables for those who try to hurt God's children. He can save. God can go before you and save you. Now, what is the palmer worm? The swarming locusts. These are, and I think these are also, this is another kind of caterpillar. And I think it was both like the grasshoppers and the caterpillars, these swarming ones that were in the the plagues of Egypt, the devouring plague, because what happens with the swarming one, these are like migratory, like I won't say flock because they're not birds, but they're like 
I'm not going to say herds. I don't really know what you would call them, but they're swarms. I guess swarm is the is the plural of insect insect families. I don't know. Are they families? They're insects. I guess they're families. Anyways, insect grasshopper and his cousin caterpillar, they're getting all their boys together and they are coming to an area. What they do is they descend upon a tree or an area or a crop. You know, it could be a farmer's field. And what they do is like in a matter of like a year or so or less, they will completely destroy it. Now, if you're in Memphis or you're anywhere right now that has the cicadas, you know, like come come um, sunset time, you start to hear them a little bit. And right before that sun goes down, before it's finally dark, like there's a couple minutes in there where you're like, I cannot believe these things are so loud. Like, why are they so loud? Why are there so many of them? Like, are they in my shoe? Like, are they outside the window? Are they in the house? Like these things, they sound like they're everywhere. So of course, this is one of those migratory insects that when they show up, they show up strong. They are coming in and they're coming to kill. They're coming to devour. They're coming to destroy. So what kind of what kind of relationships, what kind of friendships, what kind of, I mean, organizations, what is this representative of? Well, we're talking about, again, this is, a, when we talk about Malachi 3.10 and God saying he's going to rebuke the devourer in 3.11, we're talking about your blessings here. So you could be talking about your business. You won't get bought out. You know, you won't have your department or maybe your company, you won't be bought out or taken over. This is sometimes some legal things. You know, you come in with an audit, one audit, a whole bunch of auditors descend on you. It could be over for you. TKO. I don't know how you're doing business, but that could be the case. And God is promising to rebuke the devourer. Now, of course, if you're messing up, if you're being dishonest, like God ain't going to help you be dishonest. Like that's crazy. You need a mental health check if you think God's going to help you lie. But this could be something work-related. This could be something with, you know, restructures. This could be mergers. This could be takeovers. This could be um, countries. You know, if you're in politics or if you're in, um, you know, like any kind of a social thing. And, and, you know, there's obviously rising and falling social opinions based on how people feel for the day. And this could be a swarm that's suddenly descending upon you trying to attack you, trying to devour everything. It literally can take out an entire forest. And we've seen this. We've seen this so many times, how many people, their lives have been ruined because of slander. Like this has happened more in our last five years of this country's history than than we've ever heard about, is that these swarming locusts, these evil spirits basically, are trying to devour a person, their livelihood. Their, I mean, this isn't just wealth we're talking about. Like, this is every green thing. It's taking away all the happiness. Like, it's ruining people's lives completely. And so, of course, their health is affected. Of course, their happiness is affected. Of course, even their relationships are affected. And probably some of this is because of relationships, and that's why it came about. Maybe... Their job was to interview these people and they weren't going to cover up 
And they weren't going to lie. And so because they spoke out, because they were a whistleblower, what happened? I mean, how many times have we seen that happen? And God promises protection. He promises to rebuke the devourer so that it will not destroy the fruits of our land and the vine in our field. So, again, pretty big promise. Pretty big deal with the tithing. But, of course, we walk in wisdom. Of course, there's always more to just the little things that we say. But, again, this is an overall promise that God is saying to protect us in our land so that our fruits will not be destroyed. He is going to rebuke the devourer, the things behind this. Now, also, what does um, rebuke mean? We've already said to reprove, to, to rebuke, to correct, to make right the things that are wrong. But it also means to corrupt. So those people who come at you, a lot of times they will later be shown to be wrong. I mean, is this not in line with no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rises up against you, you shall condemn. I mean... I know that y'all just wanted to tithe and say, God bless me, open the windows of heaven. And you are finally realizing what a big dot deal the rest of this promise is in the promise of the tithe. This is major stuff. Like this is stuff that does make or break your happiness and your peace and, and even just your faith in life, your ability to go on and continue, your security in Christ that you can put your faith and hope and trust and love in him. Because you have a God who loves you, who wants to do things for you, who wants to protect you. Like, this is a big deal. This is, this is why, you know, God hides these things so people who are hungry for them will seek them out. But once you do, you begin to see how God really is that good. And a lot of people, they don't believe God is that good and they don't want to believe God is that good because, you know, there's lots of reasons. Who, you know, who cares why they think that it's wrong? God is good, and they need to experience that. Therefore, God says, test me in this. Like, God wants to bless people. He is good. And you know what? Malachi 3 opens up in verse 6. He, you want to know what he talks about right away? Because I, the Lord, do not change you descendants of Jacob. Here he is referring to descendants of Jacob. People who are tricksters. People who are liars and manipulators. Which is what everybody does to get money. Not everybody. Okay, that's, that's not true. But a lot of people before, especially if they're not saved, a lot of people are dishonest in money. Because they want more money. And God knows that. So here he calls out Jacob. And he's like, I don't, you know, descendants of Jacob, y'all do what you do, but I, the Lord, do not change. And because I do not change, you have not been destroyed, descendants of Jacob. And he says, yet from the days of your fathers, you have turned away from me and my statutes and you have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. I mean, hello, doesn't this all make so much more sense now? We understand what the devourer is. And then here's man. Like all through Malachi 3, God is writing down man's question. How have we defiled the offering? How have we polluted the offering? How can we return? Like <laughs> man is so dense. And, and then God says, well, a man rob God. And he says, yeah, but you're robbing me because of the tithes and the offering. 
And again, man, it takes him some time to figure out, what do you mean I'm robbing you? And so anyways, he says, you know, here is what you need to do. You need to bring the full tithe in the storehouse so there's food in my house. And he says, test you in this. And all the nations will call you blessed. I mean, hello, that is about as good as it gets. In my opinion, that is as good as it gets. That is days of heaven on earth. That is the peace and prosperity. And yes, we need to continue to learn to walk more and more in wisdom. But there are some pretty strong promises here when it comes to work type situations, prosperity type situations. And honestly, ladies, now I haven't talked a lot about marriage because I mean, honestly, this, a man and a woman, if they're married, they're one. So you really shouldn't be thinking about your wife or your significant other in this situation because two are supposed to be walking together agreed. God sees you as one. You shouldn't, if you got that much strife in the house, like you got, you got bigger problems. You, you don't need to be talking to them to a um, tithing podcast right now or listening to a tithing podcast. You need to be listening to a marriage podcast because I'm, I'm not really talking about a man and his wife um, relationships. I'm talking more for individuals and even for, even for like single gals. So for single gals or for single men, we're talking about that locust that hops around, that can steal all the green leaves, that strips all the green leaves off your life, that takes away everything that looks pretty and is fruitful and is beautiful. Well, just think about relationships. A wrong relationship. That can devour your life. That can devour your livelihood. It happens all the time. So again, this is not just friendships, but also relationships. If you're single, this can be coworkers. This can be colleagues. This can be business relationships. This can be um, departments. This, whatever it is that you do, it could be ministry. Whatever it is that you do, God says, if you know how to handle money, and if, he want, and if you can handle money the way he wants you to handle money, God can fix these things in your life. God can rebuke the devourer for you. Because honestly, especially if it's ministry, things are going to come against you. And if you're a single woman looking for a man, you're going to need to have your eyes open for who sent them. Was it sent by God or was it sent by the enemy? I mean, when the enemy wants to destroy you, he sends a person. When God wants to bless you, a lot of times he sends a person into your life. Again, back to my original point, the devourer came in by eating in two different relationships. Eating that was preceded by words, by conversations in relationships led to the loss, the downfall, and, and the devourer in both of those relationships. In both of those situations, it came through eating, but it first came through words. Words with the hidden intent to devour. Not only those two that we talked about, Adam and Eve and Jacob and Esau, but also we see the prodigal son devoured his wealth by wrong living, by wild living. He was a party animal and 
didn't get to keep any of that inheritance, but he did get his relationship restored with his father, and I'm sure his rich, wealthy father still blessed him. We don't know how that story ends, but we know it is a good ending. We know that God restores. I'm sure that same father that gave him his his ring, gave him his robe, gave him shoes, I am sure he gave him more money. I'm sure he did. A guy doesn't get to be that good and then say no more. And God's promises say, I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. Isn't that amazing? And what's crazy is that verse 26 says, and see here, here was the prodigal's problem. He was starving. He had spent all of his money. He devoured all of his wealth. And then he literally had nothing to eat. And verse 26 says, you will have plenty to eat. Joel 2, 26. After this, locusts have come in and devoured. Wrong relationships have devoured wealth, have devoured time. God says, you will have plenty to eat until you are satisfied. You will praise the name of the Lord your God who has worked wonders for you. And my people will never again be put to shame. Then you will know that I am present in Israel and that I am the Lord your God and there is no other. So again, in Joel 2, this verse is tied up even with idols. Like, I'm the Lord your God and there is no other. Like, this was the whole thing that Malachi was talking about is his people had turned away from him and they were not tithing. They were robbing God. So again, I don't think any of us really ever knew the significance of God rebuking the devourer in our life. But it is a big promise because I don't know about you, but there is a lot of stress, a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety, and a lot of worry in this world. And it affects us even and especially in the workplace. People are on edge. And God says he will rebuke the devourer, which means he can push back that darkness. He is, it's a spiritual thing. It is more than just a physical, you need emotional intelligence. And it is more than that. We are fighting a spiritual battle out here. And one of our weapons is God's word and walking in God's ways. And God says, it will not destroy the fruits of your land and your vine will not fail to produce fruit. That is a promise, not just to be blessed, but that God will push back the darkness is basically what he's promising. You can trust Jesus to restore you, to make right what's wrong, to protect you. This is how good our God is. This is how wonderful Christ is. He is never just wanting to bless a little. He is wanting to bless a lot. God doesn't just want to open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. He wants to protect the work you've done. He wants to bless you. He wants to honor you. He wants to give you beauty for ashes. He wants to give you wisdom where there once was none. He wants to give you joy in proportion to your mourning. He wants to give you a garment of praise for despair. That's happiness for sorrow, folks. I mean, honestly, folks... The money is nice, but some of these other things mean a whole lot more. I mean, there are some things in this world money cannot buy. It cannot buy you good relationships. 
and money and position and fame, also, it cannot buy you respect. Some people might respect you because you got money, but a lot of them are also going to try to devour that money for you. I mean, they may not love you. They may just love your money. God can, that is the part of tithing that is so cool. It's like God makes a lot of those situations work out. God prepares you. God equips you. God teaches you to walk in wisdom. God rebukes the devourer in your life. Why? So that it's not mo money, mo problems for you. God knows how to bless us in a way that will not harm us, in a way that we are still protected so that he can rebuke Things that devour our livelihood, our very life, our very existence. How many men, I mean, look at this prodigal. Look at Proverbs 5. That end is not a good end when you take that path, even from a young age. And we see it play out in the lives of so many people. But here is God's promise to us, hidden in the tithe, that he will rebuke the devourer. And that he will bless us and that our work will basically be protected, especially, you know, the fruits of our land and the vine in our field. God is only good. God is nothing but good. And he wants to bless us. He wants to give us good relationships. He wants to give us good partnerships. He wants to give us even good, you know, work that we will enjoy, you know, so that we're not overwhelmed by problems and stressed out and worried, but instead we can rise above it and conquer it, like literally take over. Instead of being worried about being taken over, we can literally take over. That is the goodness of God. That he is so good, folks. And I pray that this has educated you. It wasn't really a preachy podcast. This podcast was meant to teach. To teach you about God's word. God's promises. One that is one of the only ones that God says, test me. Test me in this. Get right with me. With your money. Handle money the way I want you to. And see if I won't bless you. See if I won't get your back and and fight for you and rebuke the devourer. Those things that are coming to descend upon your land to try to destroy it. God is going to rebuke those things in the name of Jesus. God bless you and keep you and may he shine his face upon you. I ask that you would have peace today, that you would be at ease and that you would be well rested and have a good night's sleep. In Jesus' name, thank you for tuning in. Bye-bye.